Thank you all. So I, I want you to be thinking now, you know, continue to think, hopefully, about what difference Jesus has made in your life. And what, uh, as we hear another story um, today of how Jesus made a difference in uh, people's lives, um, I invite you to really be considering that and to um, write it down and even send it into a, an email um, address, jesusdifference at chpc.org. Just so that we can collect and even have an anthology of just what are the different ways in real life, in real space, real time, how Jesus has made a difference in um, our lives. Today, uh, we're going to um, hear particularly about how Jesus brings healing in relationships um, with one another, uh, relationships uh, with, with God and relationships um, with one another. How we um, live out the love that Jesus has for us with one another. Uh, how, how Jesus makes a difference in our lives by, by teaching us, uh, leading us, helping us know how to love. And, and you know, that, that word love is, you know, what exactly does that mean? What exactly does it mean to love? Because, you know, I can say that I love Brussels sprouts. You know, especially when they're cut in half and, and, and caramelized with a little bit of onion. Oh, man, it's good. Good stuff. Right, the chef over here agrees with me. Yeah. I, I love football. Yeah, I, I just love the, the game because it lets short, slow, squatty guys like some of us still be able to play and, and, and make um, a difference. I, I love the football and I love you. And I tell my wife and children that I love them. Oh, yeah, well, the Brussels sprouts, football, and my wife. Huh? All objects of the same verb. What exactly does that word love then mean? Well, I think uh, the Apostle Paul gives us a great definition of love in a passage that you've Heard, if you've been to many weddings, you've probably heard it at least a couple times at those weddings. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, it's Apostle Paul, one of the, the early leaders of the church, just the generation right after Jesus, and he was writing a letter to the church um, in a little city called Corinth. Actually, it was a big city, but he was uh, writing um, to, uh, to them and telling them what love um, means. And we'll see as well how this explains, describes for us um, the love that Jesus has for us and the love that he wants to flow through us that we have for one another. Uh, page 934 in your pew Bible if you want to turn there or you can follow along on the screen. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, we ask that you would continue to, to teach us and mold us to, to make a difference in us through your written word. 
uh, through your, uh, your impact in our lives as we hear of uh, the ways that you love us and pour your love into us and through us for you and for one another. Speak to us. Enable us to, to receive that love from you and then give it to others. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, what I want you to think about as we just hang out on that um, passage is, is to think that that's the love. First and foremost, that's the love that Jesus has for you. One that is kind, patient, one that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things for you, endures all things with you, a love that never ends for you. It's a love that is, as Jesus loves us, as that love, in a sense, washes over us, flows through us, it frees us then to be loved. And that may be the greatest step that we take, is to truly be loved by Jesus. And then to, to let His love flow through us, that we love him back, that, that we learn to love ourselves, that we learn to love those around us, those that we like and those we don't like. But that's the, the kind of love that Jesus has for us, a kind of love that is always seeking the best for you and me. A kind of love that is always seeking the best for you and me, even if it causes him harm. Ultimately, at its core, love is commitment to the absolute best for another, even if it hurts. And Jesus is the perfect example of that, isn't he? That, that love, that never fails. That, that love that motivates him to go to the cross for me and for you. Jesus committed himself for the best for us, even though it meant he went to the cross for us. What is absolutely necessary for Jesus to make a, a difference in our lives is for us to be overwhelmed by that kind of love. 
a love that you can do absolutely nothing. You can do absolutely nothing to diminish or to increase. There's nothing you can do to diminish that love or to increase that love. That is the kind of love that never ends. That is based not on us, but based on His character. And then, as we receive and grasp, feel, experience, know that love, we seek to live that out with one another. Jesus' love makes such a difference in our life, not only in our relationship with Him, but also in our relationships with one another. To bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring honest relationships in good times and in times of sin, evil, and broken promises. That's the love of Jesus for you and for me. A love that is patient and kind, that keeps no record of wrongs. A love that is committed to the best for you and for me, even to his own death. That's the love of Jesus. I asked uh, Paul and Terry Strassinger, two elders of uh, this particular church, to to share with us their, their story of how Jesus' Jesus' love for them has made a difference in their own lives and their lives um, with one another. And um, they were, were willing um, to put themselves before you. Um, and I want to thank you all for doing that. I want to thank you for the, the courage that you show in really presenting yourselves um, to us and showing you are in the fullness of your humanity so that the glory of Jesus might truly shine through you. Would you come, share with us how Jesus made a difference. Jesus' love has made a difference in your lives. Um, when Drew asked hearing me to talk about how Jesus saved our marriage, we agreed, um, but um, I had concerns about discussing such personal things in front of such a large group. Um, knowing that some uh, may not look upon our story favorably, and even though I've stood before this congregation and talked about my struggle with alcohol. Uh, exposing uh, Terry and our marriage to uh, scrutiny is a little bit different. But uh, we, we chose to go through with it and uh, we hope that it would both honor God and glorify our Lord Jesus Christ and also help another couple that might be experiencing some of the things that, that we struggled with. Uh, we met in the early 70s. Terry had recently returned from Dakar, Senegal, where she served as a missionary in, a, in an orphanage. 
and I had just returned from Vietnam. And we both had become active with a religious organization which we felt was making a positive impact for God. Over the course of a couple of years, we got to know one another and we grew in love. I was struck by her gentleness, her uh, affirming me, her patience and tenderness towards me, and also by her generosity, she lent me her car for a whole year. We married in August 1976, and uh, a few months later, I was ordained to Christian ministry. Together, we, we both hoped and dreamt that we would be engaged in full-time ministry for the rest of our lives. We also believed that our marriage was intended to help us do ministry. Something happened over the next few years. I began to realize that I would not have the vocation of full-time ministry as I had hoped. Um, there are a number of reasons for this, but to put it briefly, I developed a deep sense of despair and hopelessness and a sense of failure. The occasional drinking that I had engaged in became more and more frequent as the years and as the years passed became a central problem in my life. I guess I just couldn't face my failure, and it seemed the drinking helped. From my youth, my deepest heart's desire was to serve God. And later, as a young adult, it was to have a husband who would have the same desire. The wonderful attributes that attracted me to Paul in those early years and actually they're still his attributes, <laughs> were his gentle understanding, not being quick to judge, his kindness and patience, and his commitment to serve Christ. We entered our lives together like so many others with hopes and dreams, uncontained excitement and great expectations Marriage at this point in my life, along with the opportunity to serve in ministry, meant to me that I was finally good enough to be loved. That I was finally good enough to please God. But our lives together began to change. Paul's occasional drinking became I'm sorry, excuse me, became more and more frequent, eventually um, spiraling out of control. <clears throat> My hopes and dreams and affirmations that reinforced I was good enough were just taken away. It didn't matter what I tried to do or how I tried to control the circumstances, the drinking didn't stop. I became angry, resentful, bitter, and manipulative. I wanted it to go away. I wanted to fix him. He was the problem. 
It wasn't just that he wouldn't talk to me about what he was feeling, but after time passed, all aspects of our intimacy, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, which were a part of our marriage and our relationship, disintegrated. The more resentful and angry I became at him, the more I disliked myself. I dis disliked who I was becoming. The more walls I built around myself and the more withdrawn I became. The more, the more I spiraled downward until I reached a place of hopelessness. The worst part, the worst part was the loneliness that enveloped me and the darkness that surrounded me. I saw no way out, and in desperation, I finally called out to God. And I told him, if this is what my life is meant to be, I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to live like this. My life felt like it was shattered into a million unusable, unproductive, unlovable pieces. I just wanted it all to end. And as I was sitting alone, with gut-wrenching pain, I heard these words, trust me. And even though I knew it was God trying to reach me, all I could say back to him was, trust you? I don't even know how to find my way back to you. But he continued to tell me, trust me. As God would have it through the most unusual ways that only he could design, he began clearing the way that would help me find my way back home and back to him. It was after after the death of my parents, my heart was convicted. Do you really want to be a Christian who only goes to church for weddings and funerals? Because at that time in my life, that's the only time I was showing up. I went to Paul and talked about how I felt God was talking to me and I said we need we need to try to find a church that we can connect with my relationship with Christ used to be so much more than showing up at weddings and funerals I miss that I need that and thankfully he was willing to try what happened next could only, could only have happened by Christ's orchestration. We decided to tend a church down the street from where we lived. From the beginning, Christ knew just what I needed to feel safe. It was a church with a small congregation, very much like the small church I grew up and experienced his love for me as a young child. For many weeks, as we sat in that church, 
sitting in the pews, tears just flowed down my face. Tears of grieving, tears of regret, tears of forgiveness, forgiving my husband, forgiving myself, and also tears of joy, remembering that even after wandering so far from who I was and who I should be in Christ, that Christ never stopped loving me even though I removed myself from his goodness. With this homecoming, it, it was a deeper love. It was different. It wasn't about my needing to be good enough, but it was about accepting that Jesus loved every broken piece of me ever so gently God helped me to see how far I had wandered from my first love, Jesus Christ. And over time, through his saving grace, he glued each broken and shattered piece of me together. The cracks are still evident today. The glue still shows but that's always reminding me of his unchanging love with all my imperfections. As my healing continued, I was able to trust God. And God taught me that it was not my responsibility to change or heal Paul. Because the truth is, only Christ could change his heart and only Christ could heal him. I went to, <laughs> I went to this church to satisfy Terry. I didn't have any expectations, but somehow this time was different. The message I heard from the pulpit struck me as a new description of Christianity, and that description is about having relationship with Jesus Christ. It wasn't about what you know, but more importantly, about who you know. This pursuit of relationship began changing me. We began to attend regularly. Eventually, we began to connect with others more deeply through a small Bible study group. As we studied the Bible together, I realized I was reading it with new eyes. All these things led up to the most important moment I had ever experienced. While driving home from work one day, I was considering the things I had been experiencing when I had the most profound feeling of God's love. And for the first time in my life, I knew without a doubt God loved me. Right now, just the way I am, that he valued me as one of his cherished ones that I didn't have to do anything, that I couldn't make him love me more, that he already loved me with all his heart. And in the same moment, I finally got something else right. He also impressed on me that he wants me to live according to his standards, 
not mine, and that I needed to pursue becoming like Christ. I also understood that I was going to fall short in this pursuit, but I realized that he would continue loving me, and it gave me hope for my future. I wanted to continue experiencing this kind of relationship with God, and one thing that was evident to me was that being drunk or hungover was going to get in the way. On the strength of that realization, I decided I wasn't going to drink anymore. After nearly 20 years of battling this addiction with no long-term success, I found the strength to choose him day by day because he had chosen me. As of May this year, I have been sober for 15 years. Regarding my marriage, I found that I now wanted to love Terry with the unconditional love Jesus gave me, to care for and take care of her and treat her like the precious gift that she is. As Christ heals, he also finely tunes, and he was creating me a desire to spend time with him each day. I called it my coffee time with Jesus. And in those most precious and quiet moments, I prayed about my husband, and I prayed that God would change his heart to become the person that God wanted him to be. All those many years before, my focus was on changing my husband, not myself. But Christ knew the changes I needed. I used to think that the most important thing in the world was to be a good wife or a great parent. And those things truly are important, but it is not the most important thing. The most important love of my life needs to be Christ and that is a conviction I must commit to every day. And I'm going to ad lib here a little bit because what Christ teaches my heart is that the more I open to him, the more I'm intimate with him, the more he helps me to fall in love with him, and the more I receive his love, the more I love you. And the more I see in Paul that wonderful, unconditional love, it's a model to me reminding me every day of how Christ loves me and how wonderful that something that's so spiritual and kind of mysterious that God portrays that in a relationship that's healthy in Christ. Both Paul and I needed, and we continue needing, to have our individual lives touched by Christ's redeeming love in order to be reconciled as a couple. It is an ongoing transformation and reconciliation 
that only, that only Christ can, go, can do. It is an amazing and, to me, an unexplainable miracle that as he continues the fine-tuning of our lives and as we remain yielded to his love, he knits us together as one. In uh, 10 days, uh, Terry and I will be married 37 years with Christ continuing his miracle of grace in our lives. hope that you will do is where did the spirit really connect with you as you were hearing Paul and Terry share their story with us was it in just your own lovability is that where you need to to cry out to God help me know you love me is, is it in relationship with another? Uh, is there um, a, a relationship that is, that is broken and needs God's love in your life to bring his healing, his wholeness? What I uh, invite you to do when we take the offering in a, a few minutes is just take a sheet of paper tear off part of the bulletin or the sermon notes or don't tear the Bible but uh, you know some other piece of paper and just put an initial on there of the the name of the person in the relationship or your own initial or the initial of the relationships outside of yours that, that you want God's holy powerful love to invade And what we'll do with those is we'll simply pray with them. We won't even really read them. The important one is you know and God knows. But we will, I will and the prayer team will pray um, with those uh, but won't do anything else with them. But that's part of your offering, just offering that um, up um, to the Lord of of where that love, his love needs to invade in our lives, individually or um, around us. Let's, uh, Let's take some time and pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we first are overwhelmed when we consider the extent of your kindness to us, of your unhindered affection for us, your unbounded love. 
And we desire for that love, that, that grace to flow um, into us, to overwhelm us, to enable and empower our relationships with others. Those that we like and those we don't like. And as, as Jesus taught us, we love our enemies. As, as you have shown us, Heavenly Father, you, you, are, you are kind to the ungrateful. You are, are giving even to the unrighteous. We praise you and marvel as we consider your, your character, your kindness, your patience, a love that never ends. Continue to be at work freeing us from whatever it is within us or around us, whatever lies the evil one would give to us, whatever um, falsehoods the world would enchant us with. Speak to us of your truth, of your goodness, of your holiness, your, your purity. Speak to us in this time, our own lives and our lives with others, relationships where your love needs to flow through. And we pray not only for ourselves, not only for us, but for, for the, the church around the world. We particularly think of the, the church that's you know, been in the news so much lately, and the, the, the church in Egypt and in, in Syria and those parts of the world, and Nigeria and Iraq, where they continue to be persecuted slaughtered and Lord we are overwhelmed when we consider your love for all and we, we pray Lord for your, your hand to stop the persecution and the, the slaughter your hand to continue to flow through those that, that follow you to live in ways of kindness and courage fed by your unfailing love. And gracious God, we pray together as, as one people. We continue to seek to be your church without walls. That we continue to, to want to be your carriers of grace and mercy, uh, your, your conduits of, of love, that, your kind of love, that kind of commitment to the best of others around us, even if it costs us. To continue to tear down the walls that we or the evil one or the world builds up. Between us and you, between us and one another, between us and those uh, outside the church. Speak to us and hear our prayer to you. Dear God, make us into your community for your glory. Connect us in Jesus no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us 
for greater works than Jesus. Amen.